We are beginning a new sermon series today all about God's provisions, the provision of God. How has God provided for us? How will God provide for us? And we're using scripture to illuminate and give examples and stories and hope. We're using what's called the narrative lectionary to do this, so we'll be going through stories of scripture. And what better way to begin than with the story of creation? And so we'll be in Genesis 2, 4b through 9 and 18 through 24. Listen for a word from God. And the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground. Then the Lord God formed man. Sorry, I skipped like three verses there. <laughs> I'm so lost. I'm, I'm going to start over. You know, I always thought that God's provision would be really great if we heard this twice. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plants of the field was yet in the earth and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground. But a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being, and the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. So out of the ground the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all cattle and to the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. But for the man there was not found a helper as his partner. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then God took one of his ribs and closed up its place with the flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, for out of man this one was taken. Therefore a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife, and they become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you are the creator God who gifts us all things. We pray this in your name. Amen. So this is the story of creation, a story that we have probably heard several times. So the question is, where is God's provision in this story? I think maybe the better question is, where isn't God's provision in this story? God gives us 
creation and the ecology in which we live in that's beautiful. God gives us communion and community with other human beings, which we so desperately need, no matter how introverted we claim to be. God gives us harmony and delight in the garden. God gives us unashamed vulnerability and truth of who we are. God gives us work and a purpose. And it's that work and that purpose that I really want us to hone in on. Because there's this beautiful, fascinating part that takes place in our story in verse 5. Where the earth is desolate. Nothing is growing. It is desert. It is wilderness. All throughout the Old Testament, whenever wilderness and desert are described, it's talking about being far away from God. About being removed from life. And so God looks over this desolation and determines two things that are needed for the earth to be fruitful, to have bounty. And the first thing is, is water. Water, which is the wellspring of life, the basis of life. But water is also something more. Water is baptism. Water is cleansing. Water is purifying. And so in the water that comes into creation, that comes into earth, the water brings forth life from death. Just as in our baptisms, we are called from death to life through the grace of God. So what is needed for life and bounty on the earth? It's God's grace. And it comes here in the form of water. But there's something else needed. God says it's desolate because there's no one to till the land, to tend and to hold. And with that, humans are given our call in the world. That we are called to be caretakers. People who tenderly till and care for God's creation, all of God's creation, land and animals, the earth, but most importantly, that creation that the Spirit of God has been breathed into. Humanity, the beloved children of God. And this is, without a doubt, work. Hard, hard work. But yet it seems to be our first and our deepest vocation, our deepest calling to be compassionate caretakers for the world. When I think of caretaker, I think about the time that I graduated from my undergraduate degree. And armed with my BA in religion, I went out into the world to find a job and found that that was actually kind of hard to do. Apparently, no one wanted to hire someone whose degree was both as broad as religion, but also esoteric as religion. And maybe they just didn't want to hire a pretentious brat who used words like esoteric in conversation. (laughs) And so I stumbled into this job of being a maintenance worker, a maintenance worker at an all-girls camp. And it was here that I had some of the most formative experiences of my life. And that's due in part 
primarily in part because I met a man named Bobby Boyd. Bobby had been the caretaker for this camp for over 40 years. He knew every plant, he knew every tree, he knew every creek, every path. He knew all the plants because he pretty much planted them as he sculpted this wonderland, this fairy tale for girls and young women to come to every summer. He also served as mentor to the young men and young women who came through and worked underneath them for summers. He was an intensely hard worker, and so you wanted to work hard for him. Yet he was also the one who was always encouraging you to take a break, to have a seat, and to talk. So while there was much to admire about Bobby and his work ethic and his care and his compassion, there was very little to admire about the work itself. I picked up trash, I cut grass in the sun, I unclogged toilets, I spread mulch, I literally was picking up sticks in the forest so that it would look nice. The whole job felt exhausting and at many points meaningless. It wasn't kind of the position I pictured myself in. Yet I found it strange because every Friday night, Bobby would have a bonfire. And people from all over this small town would come and decompress from the week. Many of them worked maintenance for him many years ago and had gone on to start their own businesses that were successful in the town, had gone on to have successful small town political careers. And yet, just about every single one of them talked about how working maintenance, whether it be one summer or several summers or a few years, was the greatest job they ever had. It was the best time in their life. And as the one who is currently unclogging the toilets, I thought, y'all are crazy. (laughs) That makes no sense to me. But as I looked around the fire and I watched as Bobby smiled and his listening countenance took in each story that they told as he asked questions about their life and their family, it dawned on me that for many of these people, this was perhaps the first and the last time they felt cared for by another person who wasn't in their family, or maybe for the first time by anyone. That Bobby, in his job and in his caretaking, called these people to be better people, to be more loving simply by his presence and his proximity in their life. And so it's from the beginning of creation that I think we're given that role of caretaker. And that provides us with something that is so often deeply missing from our lives, and that's purpose. How often have we felt purposeless? Why are we here? What's the point? Who are we supposed to be? What are we supposed to be? We are supposed to be caretakers who love and serve, and work. I believe that work is a gift from God. But when I say the word work, I know that each person probably has their own definition of that. That we have different experiences with work. That perhaps work in your own life has been destructive. Or you've seen how it's been destructive in the lives around you and it's affected you. And that's not God's providence. That's not God's gift. That's a perversion of God's gift. 
So how can we define work as provision, as a gift? I think the best way to do it is to steal the words from Charles Dickens and his work, A Christmas Carol. Scrooge, we all know Scrooge, right, from plays and stories and Scrooge McDuck. I don't know. We all know Scrooge, right? Scrooge meets his old business partner, Marley. Marley comes to him in chains after he's passed away. He comes in a ghostly figure. And Marley begins to lament about how he has lived his life. He laments his whole life and he says, I didn't do anything of good work, anything of value. And Scrooge hears this and he's confused and he says, Marley, I, I worked with you. You always kept your business accountable. You always kept your business in order. You were shrewd. You were good. And Marley responds, business, that wasn't business. Mankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, benevolence, those were all my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. This is our work, our caretaking, charity, mercy, forbearance, benevolence towards the beautiful creation of God, towards God's beloved children. And whether that plays out in your actual job of nine to five, or in the taking care of your family, or in the caring of your community and your church, that is the work that we're called to. And if that seems overwhelming, I have encouragement for you. Because we're not just caretakers. God gives us something more. God gives us the opportunity to be co-creators, to be co-creating caretakers. God gives humanity and our scripture the opportunity and the authority to name all the animals. The text says whatever the creature was named, that's what it was called. God gives us the gift of creative acts in the world. Creative acts that give beauty into the world. Creative acts that care for people in new way. Because here's the harsh reality that this side of the eschaton, this side of Jesus coming back, there will always be pain and destruction and attacks and sin and hurt. And those destructive forces show up anew every day. But be encouraged because God has breathed into you life. That word ruach in Hebrew both means spirit and breath. God has put God's spirit and God's breath into you to go out and be creative caretakers in the world. Church, this is our purpose. This is our work to be creative caretakers and what meaningful work we are called to. Thanks be to God. Amen.